Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 18th of December 2022, 11 o'clock service. Ruth Henson speaking on, What do we learn about the coming of Jesus from Gabriel and Mary? The scene depicted in our reading from Luke is incredibly familiar, isn't it? We hear it read at every carol service. We see it acted out in every nativity play. It is the subject of so many paintings and it has inspired its fair share of music as well. I thought we could use three of the many songs based on this story to help us to find new insights. Firstly, Gabriel's message. This old Basque carol is a staple of many a carol service and popular with choristers who like to mangle the words. Here's a reminder of the words in case you're less familiar with it. The angel Gabriel from heaven came, his wings as drifted snow, his eyes as flame. All hail, said he, thou lowly maiden Mary, most highly favoured lady, Gloria. For known a blessed mother thou shalt be, all generations lord and honour thee. Thy son shall be Emmanuel, by seers foretold, most highly favoured lady, Gloria. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head, to me be as it pleaseth God, she said, my soul shall lord and magnify his holy name, most highly favoured lady, Gloria. Of her, Emmanuel the Christ was born, in Bethlehem, all on a Christmas morn, and Christian folk throughout the world will ever say, most highly favoured lady, Gloria. There's a lot to unpack in those lyrics, isn't there? The writer has used some dramatic license to describe the angel in very striking terms. The passage in Luke doesn't actually say anything about Gabriel's appearance, although some of the countless artists who have depicted this scene are on the same page when it comes to envisaging what such an important angel might look like. The writer also references the prophecy from Isaiah 7, which we heard in our first reading, describing Mary's son as Emmanuel by seers foretold. But it's the repeated refrain of the final line of each verse that I would like us to consider most highly favoured lady. This is the line that choristers have fun with, changing the words to most highly flavoured gravy. (laughs) But the original lyrics are a key phrase in the story from Luke 1. Gabriel opens his discourse with Mary with these very words. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Sounds like a wonderful thing to hear from God's messenger, doesn't it? But that's not the effect of the greeting on Mary. I think we often assume that Mary's disquiet and fear are down to the appearance of the angel, especially if he looked like the songwriter supposes. But verse 29 tells us the real reason. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
This insight that Mary has may help us to understand why she was chosen by God for such a role, as she seems to have a deeper level of understanding in the face of this unexpected situation. If we imagine being highly favoured by God, I wonder what springs to mind. Having all our prayers answered in the way we'd like, perhaps. Our plan for our life working out just as we'd always wanted. Being protected from difficulty and upheaval. Receiving countless blessings. For Mary, being highly favoured by God was going to mean what might seem to be exactly the opposite. Her prayers and plans would have been filled with her coming wedding to Joseph, which she would have been in the midst of preparing and counting down the days to. But God is about to throw in the hugest curveball by exposing her to shame, ridicule and judgment due to her pregnancy whilst being unmarried. She would risk being rejected by her betrothed, Joseph, being cut off by her family, being treated as an outcast by society. Yet Gabriel repeats his reassurance in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. Before confirming the staggering job God has for her to do. It seems like, even before the angel has explained the huge challenge ahead, albeit an awesome privilege too, Mary has an inkling that being favoured by God won't always mean something easy, comfortable or straightforward. Being favoured by God can, and most likely will mean, stepping out of our comfort zones, facing ridicule or shame and walking a path far from the one we envisaged for our lives. But God's reassurance to not be afraid is for us too, as it was for Mary, because he knows the plans he has for us. He will equip us for the task ahead, and he goes with us every step of the way. There's plenty more we could unpack from that song about Mary's submission and willingness But let's use a second familiar song to help us with that instead. Let it be to me. This short chorus is one we regularly sing at Christchurch, and not only at this time of year. Let's remind ourselves of the words. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. I am your servant. No rights shall I demand. Let it be to me. Let it be to me. Let it be to me according to your word. Earlier, in the same opening chapter of Luke's Gospel, we have the account of the angel appearing to Zechariah and the contrast in responses between Zechariah and Mary is pronounced. Zechariah, you might imagine, in his role as a priest, would be the more open and ready to hear and accept an unexpected message from God. But he responds initially with disbelief and even unbelief, for understandable reasons, given his and Elizabeth's ages. 
asking, how can I be sure of this? The inexperienced teenage Mary also asks a how question, wanting to understand, how will this be since I am a virgin? The verb will has no tone of disbelief or doubt. Rather, it assumes the prophecy will come to pass, but wants to understand more of the logistics. The angel explains that the Holy Spirit will enable this miraculous pregnancy and then offers a word of assurance and encouragement, even though Mary appears to have accepted the veracity of the angel's message, explaining about another miraculous pregnancy, that of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Having heard Gabriel's explanation and encouragement, Mary immediately utters her response. She doesn't express any further concerns. She doesn't suggest that someone else might be better suited for the task. She doesn't even ask for a bit of time to think about it. No, rather she commits herself to this extraordinary calling in the most extreme terms. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This teenage girl is an inspiring example to us of faith, submission and willingness to serve, even in the face of fear, confusion and challenge. There is no sense of reluctance or grudging acceptance in Mary's response. Rather, it is humble, wholehearted and trusting. And it's also important to notice the way Mary is giving her agreement to the task ahead, to partnering with God in this special role he has for her. God doesn't just dictate his plans and purposes to us. He wants us to give a willing, trusting and accepting yes, to decide to partner with God in the tasks he has for us. The word servant is an interesting one, isn't it? It will most likely bring about a negative reaction in us, an assumption that such a role will cause us to be downtrodden and hard done by. But we're really confusing it with the word slave, if that's the case. We are by nature slaves to sin, to our sinful nature, which stops us from making the right choices and giving glory to God. But Jesus, in his fulfilment of the prophecy of the servant king, demonstrates for us the value God puts on our willingness to serve, our readiness to submit to his authority and the plans and purposes he has for us. There's one final song I'd like us to look at, although the words are not lifted directly from our passage. Rather, it's a more general reflection on Mary's unique role as the one who would bear and mother God's promised king in the light of the scriptures surrounding her experiences and role. It's also one of my favourites. Mary, did you know? The thought-provoking lyrics go like this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy 
would save our sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. On one level, Mary is an ordinary teenage girl, so how could we possibly expect her to have any inkling of the future that lies ahead for the special baby she will give birth to? But there are pointers in this passage and those that follow which give us glimpses of a deeper understanding on Mary's part than we might assume. As we've already seen from the Annunciation story, she displays this when she expresses fear based on her insight into the challenges and upheaval which will go hand in hand with being highly favoured by God rather than at the sight of the angel. Then, when she visits her cousin Elizabeth in the subsequent verses, the song she herself sings, the Magnificat, is woven through with references to the Old Testament scriptures, demonstrating a profound understanding of the prophecies and foretellings which point to the Messiah's coming and ministry. Just a few verses earlier, when Gabriel is explaining to Mary about the events which will come to pass, his words are rich in the language of the Old Testament and the promises of the Messiah, so it seems likely that, as she is so immersed in the scriptures and alert to God's promises, that Mary would hear and grasp at least some of Gabriel's references. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Even after Jesus is born, when you might imagine Mary would be up to her eyes in the all-consuming job of adjusting to a new baby, when the shepherds arrive, full of tales of the angels and their message, Mary treasures up all this information and takes time to ponder upon it. And at the presentation in the temple, Simeon has more for Mary to ruminate on when he shares these thoughts. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Bearing in mind all this information she is privy to and the level of insight and understanding she seems to have, wouldn't it be fascinating to actually be able to ask Mary the questions posed by the song and find out how much she actually knew of the ministry which lay ahead for Jesus, along with the price he would have to pay. And what about us? How can those songs help us to reflect on our own response to Gabriel's visit to Mary? If we hear the choristers of King's College, Cambridge, or wherever else singing of Mary's status as most highly favoured lady, let's take a moment to reassess our understanding of what being highly favoured actually means, acknowledging, as Mary did, that God's favour is not always cosy and comfortable, but rather may well be a prompt and a prod out of our comfort zone and onto a path where challenge and sacrifice may lie. If we hear the chorus, let it be to me according to your word, that can be a reminder to take stock in the light of Mary's humble and inspiring acceptance of servanthood and her willingness to partner with God in the plans and purposes he has, however challenging. And if we listen to the rich and thought-provoking lyrics of Mary Did You Know, let's again follow Mary's example and ponder afresh the layers of meaning within the Christmas story and treasure in our hearts the wonderful and surprising way that God fulfilled the messianic prophecies when a tiny, vulnerable baby was born to a teenage mother in a dirty stable. Amen.